is the Meeting of Minds podcast with me, Philippa Robinson. In this episode of the Meeting of Minds podcast, I'm in conversation with Jake. I first met Jake when he came to work at the same place I was working at just over two years ago. I'm not there anymore, but I'm pleased to say Jake and I are still friends. He is warm and open and funny, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So, over to Jake. Jake, hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here today. It's um, it's really great to have you on here, and I know you're going to have lots of interesting and great things to say. No pressure, though. Lots of knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, as you know, we're here to talk about 20s, being Mm -hmm. in your 20s. And you're right in the middle of yours. So, I am. Um, can you can you can you tell me how it's been so far? So far, yeah. Well, I mean, like everything, it's been a humongous learning experience. I already feel like I've learned so much and come so far. And it's funny because I literally feel like I turned. I mean, I I remember my twentieth birthday, and I really remember my twenty first birthday. And it's funny how they literally feel like they were yesterday and how far I've come from I graduated in my 20s. I graduated at 21 and I stayed living in Bristol um, and I've made Bristol completely my own home out, outside of university um, and come such a sort of long way in what I feel like has been a really, really short space of time. So you went to university in Bristol? I did. I, I never, knew I never knew that. I always wondered. I never asked you because obviously we used to work together, didn't we? You're still there, yes. and I'm not there anymore. And I did wonder how you came to Bristol because obviously you're not from Bristol originally. Yeah, no. you're, you're from up north, not the other side of the Pennines from me. But um, uh, so you went to no, university. My mum's northern. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. My mum's northern. I yes. was brought up in London. Okay. But no, you are, yes, because you do have a bit of a northern twang. That's from your mum then, is it? I do. That's because my whole life I've been mimicking her. <laughs> she gets really annoyed about. And I'll go from completely talking normally and then my mum will ring me. I'll be like, hey, oh, you are right. Yeah, because exactly, you do it so well. I, I do it. Yeah, no, that's because I've had years of practice and especially because growing up, um, particularly in my young years, all through well, all of the years, particularly when we were little, we always used to go and see my nanny in Yorkshire. Yeah. So I've always I've always claimed quite a bit of myself to be from Yorkshire because it's a very, very important place for me. Um, and we spent a lot of years going up and spending time with my nanny. I think mainly because my mum and dad couldn't be bothered to plan a holiday and it was easy to take because me and my sister would just run around my nanny's house like absolute crazy monkeys. But yeah, no, um, I've, yeah, I've, I always have that bit of a northern twang because I've spent my whole life mimicking my nan and my mum to mainly to get on their nerves, which always did work yeah, um, very well. And then sometimes I slip back into a little bit of London. Well, I'm from a more well, a Middlesex. I'm right on the outskirts of London from Twickenham. Yeah. So a little bit just on the border. So it's not really of any particular accent. A lot of, well, to be fair, a lot of people who have grew up in Twickenham are rather posh. Yeah. Um, and then I go right into Bristol because I've been here for such a long time as well. Been here yeah. since I was 18. 
<laughs> you have, and you do that really well. You've obviously got a really um, good ear for accents. I'm really good at accents. I can't it's, even just save my life, but you're doing you. Yeah. No, I'm really, I'm really. I'm, it's, it's, it sometimes landed me in a bit of trouble because <laughs> when I was when I was 23 for a year, I worked in a call centre, and one of my appraisals with a manager, which we had one every month um, to keep up with, if we're basically doing what we're supposed to be doing, which I never was. Uh, <laughs> and she would always bring up the fact that um she was like when you're on the on the phone to the person from newcastle you started talking about newcastle and i said no and i don't mean it to be rude it's nothing like that it's i literally i'm like a parrot i just yeah. start listening and i start i think it's my way of um someone explained to me once is like it's, it's my way of like connecting with someone yeah. or getting on their level is that yeah. i sometimes start talking in their accent i think to make them feel more comfortable for me to feel more comfortable I think it's a weird psychological yeah, to thing bring you to, to bring you together a little bit I think yeah. I, I understand that because I think I do the same thing I just I'm not very good at it so I all my accents sound really weird but I think I gravitate a little bit to to try and do that whereas actually your accents are really good but sorry we digressed so you, you came no, to Bristol University I and did stayed I here after graduation Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bristol's always been quite a big part of my life because my mum lived in Bristol through the 80s and moved to London with my dad to bring my sister up and then me. Yeah. So I've always sort of known Bristol and I knew when I was looking for universities that Bristol was really on my list because I just knew that I loved the city. Yeah. And it is an incredible city. It is. And there's been a couple of times that I've thought about leaving Bristol. Yeah. Um, and something seems to always pull me back. Yeah, because you it's have, I mean, I, since I've known you, I know you've talked about moving elsewhere. Um, so I was interested when I found out that you'd bought a place because actually I know. you are now putting your roots down here. I am, I am, which I'm, I'm if, when, when I was thinking about buying property and I was, I, I bought my flat because of the pandemic because of the, now they've soared up because of the stamp duty, I think being waived yep. a little bit. Yeah. But when we were right at the, right in the middle of the first lockdown, um, and when I was on furlough, and obviously because I work, I work in conveyancing, out of just sheer interest, I would just go on and look at, you know, what was about, what properties were about. And I couldn't believe how much, how many properties were so affordable, because obviously, you yourself living in Bristol, the you know the costs are quite high. It is they quite are. an expensive place. It is. So, in the first lockdown, I couldn't believe how many you know places were available and were sort of available within a budget that I actually thought that I might be able to to get to. So I decided um, because there's nowhere else in the UK. There's a lot of places in the UK that I would totally consider living, but to buy an actual property, it would only be Bristol because I know that if someone said to me, you have to stay in Bristol for the rest of your life, I wouldn't be that downhearted, I would say. So I thought I'd go for it and it's paid off. And I'm very happy I did it when I did do it because if it was if I was looking for a property now, I don't think I could probably afford a garden shed. So yeah. And that's happy. only in a matter of months, isn't it? So It's you, insane. You, it's you really got in there at, 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 at a good time making the best of a bad situation yes yeah well that's all we uh, that's all we can hope to do if we possibly can isn't it um, um so how does that feel now you're 25 
you've bought your flat and you're here in Bristol and and how is that all coming together and feeling? It's been I think this has been one of the biggest what I would call learning curves of my 20s it's the most I think it's the most adult I've ever felt and it's made me feel like I've um I feel like I'm I don't feel 25 at the moment I feel like I should be a lot older because I've bought a property yeah and it is it's it's quite interesting as well because speaking to a lot of my friends who are around the same age as me or even like a little bit older you know I've the 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 reaction I've had for me saying I've bought a property has been shock and surprise and thinking oh my god how have you done that I can barely afford my rent and I said to them I don't actually know I'm still I'm still quite shocked I think I did go into it thinking it was going to fail to be honest I think there was this element of myself that I thought oh it's going to fall through or I won't get the mortgage or you know what I mean or they'll do a credit check and they'll be like oh no you've just been splurging on stuff your whole whole your life on your credit card you can't have a mortgage and then I got my mortgage offer through and then we were off kind of thing um so yeah, it's been it's it's been the scariest thing I've genuinely ever done, and I will I will say that it's brought it's 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 starting to bring a lot of joy. But in the first forefront, I was very very scared. I was a bit like, oh my god, does that mean something I've had to overcome? Is that does that mean I've now chained? It's, it was that's how I was feeling. I felt like a little bit like I had been handcuffed to Bristol, which you know. I think it sounds worse than what I, what I want it to what, what, what I want it to sound because I love Bristol with all my heart, but there is still so many places that I want to see. And I think one big lesson that I've taken from 2020 is that when we are allowed to travel or when you're able to travel, you should absolutely go for it because it's you know it's been definitely a year where a lot of people's travel plans and just being able to even being able just to visit another city within the UK at the moment we're in tier three we can't do that, yeah. which definitely makes has made me feel very um then I can't think of the word not chained up but do you know what I mean Pending a little, a little bit, bit. Like, yeah, yeah yeah I feel like a little bit claustrophobic because yeah. I feel like I can't because I'm I cannot leave this space I feel a bit imprisoned if yeah. you like yeah no I get that and um I I totally understand that because um as we were talking off air before we started recording, I didn't actually buy anywhere until I was 35. For those reasons, I, I think there were other reasons going on for me. I moved around all over the place, but it, it is a big step. Um, mm. you, you know, you are, you've managed to do it. And I do wonder whether that was sort of the universe, you know, the universe put you in conveyancing at that time to, uh, you know, give you that opportunity. And you, yeah, you, 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 yeah. You saw that opportunity, you took it, you went for it, you didn't necessarily have your heart set on it working or not. You thought, well, let's give it a go and let's see how far down the line we get. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you mentioned the conveyancing thing because that's honestly, and it's, it's, I, I did sort of, I, I, I didn't go for, I didn't go for working conveyancing. I've never actually even thought about it. I've sort of, it was sort of, I went, I started at the law firm that we both worked in as a receptionist and more of an admin assistant. And as I went, got a little bit further on and I enjoyed my time at time within the firm, there was a job opportunity to work in conveyancing. I took it and I got it. And that's, that's what I've been doing for the last sort of year and a half now. 
And I think that if I didn't get that job, and if the only thing if I hadn't got, because I had no clue about conveyancing, I didn't even know it was a thing, to be honest with you. If, I can, yeah. if I'm completely honest, I didn't. No. I knew there was a legal aspect of buying property, but I didn't know there was this, it was such a, it is, it is a massive element of buying a property. There is a big, big legal element. Um, and I think if I hadn't worked in it, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have bought it because I, I, I would not know the process how I know it now. Yeah, and you were in the middle and had people who could sort of explain it to you. You know, you were in the right place. You, you, you know, you had people who could explain the process to you as, and, and somebody was doing it for you who you could say, well, what does this mean? And what does that mean? And how's this going yeah. to work? So actually, it, it does feel a little bit like you were in the right place at the right time to some extent. I think so. I think so. I'm a big believer, I think quite similar to what we've both said to each other in the past is that I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. Yeah, me too. And that I always, I'm a big fan of screw-ups and mistakes because there's always, there's there's always a reason that I've, that I've, when I look back now at 25, when I look back over the years, my years thus far, is that every mistake I made or every screw-up or everything that I thought was a bad thing has led to, has always ended up being a good thing for another reason if you know what I mean I absolutely know what you mean and I, I think it's hard to see that at the time mm, always yeah always. but but once you're a little bit away from it and can look back um there, there are positives to, to to come out of it I, I'm a great one for for saying that instead of sort of saying something has it has been a failure to rather mm. if you can try and see it as a as a step towards the success because actually yeah. I mean how many of us get things right first time and straight it's away not, yeah. and actually I know that's easy for me to say because I suppose I'm not in the middle of having really got something really wrong but you know wouldn't life be boring if we just decided we were going to do something we did it and it goes perfectly well or it's all handed to you on a plate exactly. if you don't, you don't work for it and know the graph that it takes something that I've that I've sort of one of my big I think lessons so far in my 20s is that I don't I, I don't believe in perfection I don't think it exists I think it's an idea that's formed by loads of different things those different elements and I think I think one thing I, I, I going forward into now which will because obviously being at 25 the next stage is my late 20s is I've decided I'm going to stop striving for perfection because you're never going to get it it doesn't exist and it's something that uh, I've spent so long I think I had this idea of my life and me and you know maybe partner and all this all, all this other stuff and I wanted this perfect thing in my head doesn't exist let it go because it's definitely made me feel a big weight off my shoulders when I realized that perfection actually is somewhat I think striving for perfection is somewhat to me unhealthy because you're just going to end up very disappointed feeling very angry with yourself and angry at life and it's just gonna it's just gonna bring a lot of I think more pain than good oh I, do you know what I so admire you that you have learned that already because I I think I got to 47 before I realized that so you know you've learned that in half the time it took me to so well done you but um <laughs> I totally you. agree with you and I think what I've learned as well is that perfection is this is this sort of ideal standard that we, we can hold ourselves up to but where does mm. that come from who is 
who is telling, you know, it's not like yeah. there's some independently verified acceptable standard of perfection yeah there just isn't it that isn't and we and And someone's perfect is different from another person's perfect absolutely because that's what is so fantastic about people is that we're all individuals we all have um our own ideas of uh, of 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 what we like what we don't like what 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 is you, you know our idea of, you know, an ideal day, you know, for me, my idea of an ideal day is going to be completely different to your idea of an ideal day. And actually that's what makes the world go around. I know that's a bit of a naff saying, but actually we are all so different is what makes, um, you know, people so blooming fantastic and and incredibly interesting to get Mm. to know, but yet we still do have this cruel talk that we do to ourselves sometimes about not, being perfect when as you quite rightly say it just doesn't exist and um you know it fills my heart with joy really that you are saying that to me that you are are have learned that that sort of Mm. lesson Uh, uh, i don't want that to sound patronized but you've learned that for yourself now Mm. because you can carry that forward into your late 20s into your 30s because you know you know, you've still got all the, all the angst of, you know, you, you, you know, you're doing your quarter life crisis, which yeah. we'll, we'll come on to in a minute. Yeah, so no. Now, mass- you know, and then you'll have your late, your late twenties, then you'll have your thirties. I mean, that's what life's like, you know, you keep mm. on getting older, but it's just an age, but we do yeah. all have phases. Um, or, and I just think that's such a, a great thing to have learned and to be sharing today, because hopefully people who listen to this, We'll yeah. take, some, take something from that. I wish I'd yeah. heard people saying that when I was a lot younger. So thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. And it's something that, I mean, I've spent, I think I've spent so much of my life, I think, trying to people please. I'm a massive people pleaser. And it's one of, it's an aspect of my personality. I get really angry at myself because I do it really naturally. I always want to people please. And I always want to, I think I always want to, oh, it's sometimes I think rooted in, um, I think what's what it's really rooted in is when I actually came out as gay, because um, I spent my entire teen years and a lot of my uni- I didn't come out until I was twenty one. I've only been out as gay for four years. I came out when I was twenty one, okay. so I was considered. It's you know I don't believe that there's any that there's there's a time limit on anything, especially with coming out. I think it's 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 some a process that if you are a person that is a part of the lgbtq plus community whenever wherever on that timeline that you you go through the coming out phase i mean i hope there's a day when when you don't have to come out that it is just an acceptance thing but it is still here and it is something that people have to go through um and i spent my entire teen years and my university years really like trying to like bury this this sort of fighting against it I really 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 tried to fight against it and um it made it really basically rooted so much insecurity in me because I wasn't like what I thought everyone else was like I wasn't like all the other lads or boys and I did prefer hanging out with girls and felt more comfortable around girls and I did like effeminate things I'm I I can be very feminine feminine we'll go with that um and it's taken i mean it's still taken me a long time to to like that aspect of myself even through 
realizing that I'm getting carrying on, I still tried to beat the feminine part of me yeah. out because I didn't want to be a fe- an effeminate man. And now I feel like it's it's an element of me that's always going to be there. So I need to learn to love it like the rest of myself. And when I came out as gay, the people that I was so scared to tell was my parents and particularly my mum, believe it or not. Um, my dad's always, um, my dad grew up in Putney um, through like, you know, the 70s and the 60s and the 80s. So he's he, he always said he's seen all manner of life and he accepts all manner of life and all people kind of thing. But my mum, like we discussed, grew up in Keithley, Riddleston, in Yorkshire. It's a very, very small town, which is also a very Christian town, particularly through, she was born in the 50s. Yeah. So it was, you know, and I was so scared. I was absolutely terrified. And um, it was, I'd come out slowly to all of my friends in Bristol. So everyone, all of my, my sort of, my group in Bristol knew that I was gay. I came out to all of them. And then, um, I actually, I remember speaking to a lad who who I knew was gay and who was openly gay throughout the whole of university. We were we were all at a, a pub once and I was talking to him about it and I was actually, I actually sought advice from him and um, I said to him, um, I'm getting to the point now where I think I need to, I need to tell my parents that I'm gay. Um, what was it like for you? And he said, and I've always known him as just like, he was, I won't say his name, but, you know, he was just, he was, he was just himself and he was yeah. gay and he was himself. And I asked him and I thought he was also really confident about it. And, um, which is not saying he, he wasn't, but I asked him, what was it like coming out to your parents? And he says, my parents still don't know. And I said, really? And he says, yeah. He said, my parents still don't know. He was like, I'm just going to be who I know I am. But yeah, when I go back, I go back to being the other person that like they see. And that really like hit a nerve. It hit something in me, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that because that's you're still compressing that mm. part of yourself that doesn't need to be compressed. Yeah. And the next day, I got a coach ticket, and I um, and I went home and spoke to my parents, and they were, you know, mum was a bit wobbly at first, but ultimately now we're closer than we ever were, and they completely accept it, and they're very happy about it. Same with me. And I think that's what's brought on this whole learning thing of being like, you do it for yourself, don't do it for anyone else. Because if you keep on striving to do things for other people, you're just going to end up being so disappointed and you're going to end up, like I said, with mass insecurities that don't need to be there. So I think do it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that your experience of speaking to that guy in the bar and him saying, actually, I'm not out to my parents it didn't make you go, oh, okay, uh, maybe I won't mm. do it. Man, it didn't, it, it actually spurred you on the other way. It made you go, no, that is not what I want. Um, yeah. And actually, I want to be out. I want it to be, um, I don't want it to be a secret. And I, I you know, yeah. let, let's just, I've just got to go and do this. And off you went the next yeah. day, which is really courageous, given that you didn't know how they were going to take it. Um, mm. And I think... That is is a way sometimes that life lessons come to us that actually we 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 see things that we don't want that push yeah. us in the other and go actually that that helps us see what we do want because um, that's kind of what happened to you in that situation wasn't it yeah and um, definitely and actually it was you know for you 
and your, your, your family, it was the right thing for you to do because mm. um, after the initial wobble, it, it, it it's just great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's been, I think it's this fear of disappointment. And I think it's something that I think I'm sure happens with everyone in, in walks of their lives and ages. But one thing that I've felt, particularly with my group of friends, of us all being sort of being in our 20s together in Bristol, is something that we all seem to have as this fear of disappointing people, be it parents, be it more like parental figures. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you want you want them to be proud of you and you want to be doing what you think they think you should be doing, okay. which to a degree, not not that it's silly, but it's also that it's you're not always going to end up pleasing everyone. It's okay. it's it's not possible. No. And most of the time, our parents are actually unbelievably or parental figures in our lives are actually just really proud of where we are regardless. Um but it's something that I feel like going through my 20s, I've always been like, oh, I really, really hope my parents are happy I've done this. I'm really hope my parents are happy that I've done that. But so, uh, over, like I said, over the years and, you know, speaking to my parents more openly about these things is that they're, one, they're proud of me regardless, but also that they've also got their own lives to live. So most of the time they're focusing on what they're doing. <laughs> but, they're sort of leaving me to do what I'm doing. And this whole time I thought that they'd been looking over me in sort of like a spyglass. And really they're just thinking, oh, he's cracking on. We're doing our thing now. They're in their 60s and they're absolutely loving life. Yeah. And I th I, I, I think you're right. I think um, we can sometimes assume that people have expectations of us when in fact they don't. Mm. you know so um you know like you say actually your parents have every confidence that you're getting on with your own life living your life and actually just letting you you, you get on with it and they are very proud of you no matter what you're doing yeah. and like you say they're busy getting on with their life but actually um I, I, you know I, I'm, I'm sure you're not the first person to have thought that actually that that you thought they did have expectations for you because I think expectations is a big thing um I think it's a big thing in life full stop really but I do think as you in your 20s as you've you know you've left school and you've been to college or university or not and then you're out sort of doing your own thing I, I do still think there is there can be the feeling of a certain amount of pressure to mm. to be to be I don't know, sort of doing life right, if that, if that yeah. sort or of... Do, or being perfect. Yeah. Or uh, trying to strive for this perfection. Yeah. You and know, a lot of that pressure job, is inside you. A lot of that pressure is inside. And actually, um, it, it's not helpful. No. No. I'm still, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, it, that I'm completely like, you know, <laughs> living like, you know, Gandhi and I've completely found peace and I'm absolutely fine. I'm yeah. absolutely not fine. No. I'm just trying to get to a to aiming just to be in a position where I don't I, I don't live so much with that pressure. I think you're always gonna have a bit of pressure, which yeah. is fine, which actually sometimes is a good thing. Yeah. But having I think spending having sort of eighty percent of pressure on you all the time, which a lot of it is like I said, put on yourself is just not healthy and you spend your time feeling anxious and upset and worried and most of the time it's not all that much to worry about the worry is within you yeah 
Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. And it is, you know, it's always a work in progress, um, our, our relationship with ourselves. But like you said earlier, you know, do it for yourself rather than doing mm. it for other people. Because if you if you are making decisions and living your life for other people, then one day you're going to wake up like I did and I was a lot older than you are now and go, yeah, but what about mm. me? Um, yeah. Because actually, if you spend your entire life living it for other people, uh, A, you're not pleasing yourself. You're not doing things that bring you joy. You're not feeding your soul. You're not doing being true to yourself. But yeah. also, you are perhaps trying to please them when they don't know, they don't expect that of you. Yeah. They don't know you're trying to please them and they won't show you that they are pleased with you. So not only are you yeah. not pleasing yourself, you're not getting any feedback from them either. And you are left in a bit of a, what what, what am I doing? What is life all about? Where am, where am I going? What is it all for place? And I think you just end up resenting them. I think that's exactly. the ultimate, that's the ending is that you, you, you're, you're just going to end up really resenting them because you yeah. think to yourself, I spent all these years trying to please you and I didn't have to, but yeah. you blame it on them. And then that just sort of ultimately starts tearing apart your relationships with them. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, we've segued away from you talking about when you came out, yeah. to, out to your parents, but it actually, you know, you needed to come out for you. Mm. So it's a sort of similar thing that we're talking about. But that was only four years ago, actually. Mm. You, yes, I know you were 21 and you're 25 now. And it seems like years ago, well, it, it seems like a long time ago. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not it's not that long ago, is it? So so no. you're sort of um you know you're you're moving into a new phase of your life really post quarter yeah um quarter life 25 aren't you of you know yeah. you've got your own your own place um which is fantastic and you know if you want to move away from bristol you can rent it yeah out, you know it, absolutely it, 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 it's only going to given it's bristol it's unlikely to not go up in value so actually no. you know it was a great thing to do so conveyancing put you that job put you in the right place to enable you to do that you know, yeah. you've got your great group of friends. You know, your 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 you know you're living your life the way you want to live it now. Yeah. And yes, okay, there are other things maybe that are not great. I mean, whoever is like, yeah, everything's tickety boo, and I've got no problems. But um, is a liar. Yeah. It's an absolute. Exactly, but you know, you're you you're get you've got quite a lot of those foundation sort of stones for want of a better word in place and I don't mean buying the flat because there'll be plenty of people mm. who listen to this who are going well I'm never going to be in that position to buy a flat yeah for you you have been able to and that's put you in a great place but more importantly you're looking inside more about mm. um about what it, what it is that life is about for you because we were talking off air before we came um before I started recording about your um feelings about money at the moment would you mind yeah just sort of sharing that with us yeah no it's something that i think i think particularly in my early 20s um so when i left obviously you spend you kind of spend uni you know um still being like you know end of the month or end of the term you're eating you know 
pasta with a 99p jar of sauce for two dinners at a time and stuff like that. I remember that I used to, um, in my third year, I started having like what I called like, you know, really right at the end of term, really, really scrimping. Um, I used to have a mug of peas and gravy. That was my dinner. That was, and then the thing is when we got our student loans in, I know it was, uh, uh, that's what I used to eat when I was really, really poor. And, um, and then obviously when your student loan comes in, everyone gets a huge takeaway and buy loads of bottles of alcohol. Like, let's go out and let's have this massive splurge. And then the next couple of weeks later, you're back to having your peas and your gravy in your mug. Um, but money's always been like a kind of thing that I think that's, that, that I, I definitely found in my uni days and my early 20s as a form of having happiness was having money. Because I thought that, you know, I would I would watch TV shows or I would go on social media and there was all these people that had these beautiful houses and these beautiful clothes and, you know, doing all these fun things. And I thought, well, all of that's because they've got money. So I said, that must be what, you know, that must be the key. That must be the answer. So then when I, when I left uni and I moved into this, big you know rundown house in Ashley Down with a group of friends who who had who had gone to university with and were staying in Bristol like me and we all had the sort of you know the jobs that you kind of had to just was able to get without any real experience I mean I worked at a supermarket all through university so then I went on and I just worked in a department store um and um, like I said, another friend, again, it was like shops and call centers and that all kind of thing. And we all basically wanted, kept on talking about how we wanted more money and kept on like, you know, looking at money as this really amazing thing. And um, in the last year, me coming into the job that I'm in now and paid, you know, the best I've ever been paid. And again, when I bought um, this flat, I mean, previously I lived in a studio flat in Redland in Bristol and my rent was over half my wage yeah ultimately that was how much you know and now it's very it's um, my mortgage payments are so much smaller and I've been having a proper sort of wobble like loads of people recently building up from all of everything this year and something that's really like turned a light on in my head is that I'm the most financially stable I've ever been I've actually got quite a fair bit of money in the bank and you know and I don't know if that's going to last long or if it's going to you know, last forever. But it's something that I haven't been able to find any comfort in, in how I've been feeling recently. Yeah. And that's been a, a big lesson that I think I've learned is that money does not buy happiness. I know that's like a bit of a that is a bit of a saying, but it's, I've never now hearing that. It's so true yeah. that it's not that doesn't solve your problems. I actually think some of the richest people in the world in the world are some of the most saddest and the most depressed. And I think I've been also because, you know, in two years, I'm going to be 27. And it's a bit of a there's that bit of a thing with, um, you know, a lot of famous people who, you know, to, uh, unfortunately get to that age. So you have like Amy Winehouse and yeah. Kurt Cobain and all these yeah. people. Yeah. And um, like I said, I've realised that, you know, all those people who had all those problems, they had money. They had probably more money than a lot of people will ever dream of. Yeah. But they ultimately weren't happy. They were actually really, really unhappy. And it's not, it's something that I think I'm quite, well, I'm finding a fair bit of comfort in, in that it's not something that I'm going to strive for ever again finding happiness within money because it's that it's not there yeah it can buy you it can buy you the, the stuff and it gives you that first like little bit of a oh i've bought this lovely new thing or you know yeah and it but it, it's it's a temporary fix yeah. and it doesn't fix the eternal problem 
No, and I think you've, uh, yeah, they say money doesn't buy your happiness, but it sure makes being miserable more comfortable or something like yeah. that. Um, and, um, but, I, you know, I th- it's really interesting that you say, you know, you left university and you, you would sit around the table in this house with all, all the, that you rented with all these people and you'd just think that the answer, the, the answer to being happy was money. But now you, you find yourself with the most disposable income you've ever had. But actually it's not really making the difference that you thought it would and what some people do in that situation is just go out and spend it and think the answer is to get more money and spend it or uh, more but actually if you can take that as a bit of a okay so this isn't what's making me happy maybe Mm. I need to look at what are the things that are going to make me happy and that is you know sometimes that's our um a hard search it's a you know it's a soul searching it's a, a looking inside and you, you know it's not an easy answer but if you can do that then mm. you, you know there are other joys to come um and hopefully you know you'll sail through being 27 and on to 30 and uh in a in a being happier for 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 want mm. of a better a word, but that's really interesting to hear your 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 take on that, and um, I think that's a really valuable a valuable lesson. So thank you for sharing mm. that. Not a problem. So um, you know we've talked quite a lot uh, brilliantly about where you are and sort of what the last few years have been like. So you you know do you? Um, I know this is a bit of a big question, but, you know, do you have hopes and dreams for your next five years and into your 30s, maybe? Or uh, is that... I've... It's... I've I've definitely got hopes and dreams and wants and all that, but um, what I'm currently trying to stop doing is look too far into the future. Um, I recently sort of was thinking about the future and how it's sort of perceived... And I think sometimes it's, I, I like to think I've sort of had this sort of idea in my head that your life is almost like a really long, dark corridor full of loads of stuff in the way. And what you, instead of turning the light on and looking at your, looking forward and looking at all the different things that are in front of you, it's better to keep the light off and have a torch that just shines on a couple of steps. I love and that. Live that your is, life like that. That because is. Because I keep on. Yeah. Sorry, Jake. No, 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 no. I was, I was, I was just thinking about it the other day, and it's, it's. Uh, I sort of came up with it in my head, and I was thinking that's the way that I think. For me personally, I prefer to live my life because if I look too far into the future, I start getting really panicked yeah. and really worried. And it's something like, and particularly talking recently with some friends who are actually um, in their thirties, in their early thirties, between thirty to thirty-four. And they were all telling me about how, like, all my life I thought I was going to, you know, and, like, none of, like, none of them, they've got relationships, but none of them are married or have kids or anything. And they were talking about how, like, oh, I, I really, really thought that I was, I was going to have kids by now, or I thought I was going to have a house and I'm not. I'm, I'm working and, you know, at the weekends, eating and drinking and all that stuff. And I was sort of thinking, like, I don't, I don't think, see anything wrong with that. And I think that that's a pressure that I really want to get rid of this idea um, of that you have to constantly, you have to have these things that I feel like you have to, there's this pressure that you have to have things sorted, that you always have to be sorted. 
particularly when you get a little bit older and I'm, I'm at a point now where I feel like I can't I can't use the excuse anymore like, oh I'm young you know oh I've got I'm all right you know that kind of thing like, oh you, you're young yeah you do get I feel like now I'm reaching that point where you sort of people are gonna there is this sort of like you should be sorted and that pressure is just completely unnecessary and I don't I, I'm I don't I don't see the point personally for me in looking really far into the future because it might never happen and it's better to maybe look at life three months it is it's it's a step-by-step journey don't leap it's 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 kind of the same I think if you have a book and you read the first couple of chapters and then you skip to chapter 12 there's there's a lot of other stuff in between so I was thinking of it like like your life's a long corridor and you don't don't you don't want to turn the light on and spoil all the things that are coming forward but look at what you've got in front of you first and enjoy those things first and you know and then you'll move as you need to move Oh, I, you know, I just think that's such a, a fabulous way of looking. I totally agree with you that looking too far ahead and worrying about what is to come is 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 not very helpful, really. And it, you can you can spend a lot of time and energy worrying about what's to come that might never happen and miss what is happening now. So yeah, yeah. you know, keep your torch and look around where you are now, and yeah. you know what is coming. It, it will come. Because, you know, life moves forward, doesn't it? But worrying about it um, too much is is not going to, is not going to help you really. And also is going to stop you enjoying the now. And I do think that's really important. I think, um, I think that's, um, I I completely agree with you. I think that's great. And um, I think we're probably about sort of ready to to wrap up now. Jake, you've been fabulous. I did last, what, I, I did. I don't know if you. Um, I did ask if you have a motto or a saying, or something that you find useful or helpful that you have that, that you have to share with um, the listeners. I and mean, if you don't, that's fine. But do you have one? Um, yeah, I mean, something that I've really been picking up on recently is um, learn to embrace the bad and the sad because that's what develops the good. <gasps> I love that. And that and that actually ties in a lot of what we've been talking about today, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that... it's don't 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 when you're in a bad place or you're in a sad place, don't fight it because it, it's just gonna get worse. Learn to embrace it. You need to have your bad times and you need to have your sad times, and you're always gonna have them. They're always gonna be there. Um, but looking back some of my worst, my really, really bad bits in life have made some really, really incredible bits. And I don't, I'm le- I've learned to not regret the bad and the mistakes and really yeah. just learn to, you need to start learning to love them and embrace them and accept them because they, they bring, they bring the good bits as well. They, they do. So I it's think- all valid. All those bits are valid. Absolutely. And I think uh, you said earlier on, everything happens for a reason um i can't it might have been before we started recording but you've definitely said that today yeah. and um I, I i think you're right and that's a perfect place to um leave it thank you so much for being on the no podcast. thank you it's been lovely okay take care you too bye thank you for listening to the meeting of minds podcast You can find this podcast in all the usual places. Please tell your friends. Please subscribe. 
And if you have a moment, I'd be really grateful if you could rate and review as it helps other people find us and helps me spread the messages of empowerment and positivity that I'm really passionate about. If you want to find out more about me, you can visit my website at www.safeandsupported.co.uk. Until next time, bye.